Oh, Psalm 55. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read the first five verses of this psalm. And then uh, we'll pray. But I want you to leave your Bible open to this psalm. And uh, we're going to look at pretty much the, uh, you know, some points that encompass the entire psalm. And so, uh, so please leave your Bible open. But let's just start off with the first five verses. And then we'll, we'll pick up and read a little bit more as we, as we go. All right. Here's what the psalmist David said. Verse 1. Give ear to my prayer, O God. Hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. I mourn in my complaint and make a noise. Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they hate me. My heart is sore pained within me, and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. And I want to stop reading right there just for a moment. We'll pick up the rest in just a moment. But I want you to see, obviously, you can see these words that's used here, verses 4 and 5, about his heart being pained within him. Tears of death fallen upon him. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me. Horror hath overwhelmed me. And I'm not sure exactly how we could sum all this up that the psalmist is feeling at this moment, but I'll just sum it up by saying he's, he's hurting. He's in a wounded place. And so I want to preach on that thought just for a moment. Grace in a hurting place. How God has grace for us even when we are in uh, seasons of, uh, of pain, and woundedness, and hurting. And uh, it is a reality sometimes in life. It's not always that way, but there are times like that. And if you're not going through a time like that in your life, that's all right. Just hang around just a little bit because you will be before too long. And you have come out of that not too long ago probably. We all go through hurting times. And so let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to help us as we, as we look in His Word what God has to say to us about these times of of hurting. Father, we love you. We're thankful for the privilege we have to open up your word. I pray that it would speak to us, God. We're listening. We have ears to hear. We're here to hear your word today. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, I pray that the congregation would not just hear a man behind the pulpit, but they would hear the very words of God. Uh, speak to us through the, through the Bible. Speak to us through the preaching, I pray. Lord, touch me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would help me preach this just like you put it on my heart. And Lord, touch somebody. I have no idea. There's no way I can even possibly know or understand what everybody in this building is going through right now. But God, I pray that you'd come to them right where they're at. And please, uh, put your arms of grace around them. And, and please, uh, help them, I pray. And uh, Lord, give, we'll give you all the glory for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, there's many ways that this psalm right here that we just read part of fits the, uh, uh, I'd call it the stereotypical progression of a psalm. It has low points and then it kind of goes high. It describes somebody that is in pain, in distress. This isn't the only psalm like that. In fact, most of the psalms are like that. They're songs that were born out of a... Uh, 
out of an issue, out of a problem, out of a storm, out of a valley, out of something. And God helped the psalmist in that problem, in that storm, in that valley. And he wants to write about it, how God helped him. And that really is the story of our life. I guess that's why maybe I kind of resonate with the psalms a lot. I read the psalms every day. And, uh, and it helps me because that's life. And it's full of mountains and valleys. It's up and it's down. It's good and it's bad sometimes. And that's the way life is. And, you know, society will tell you, well, listen, you, you need a pill. You need a, you need a therapist. You need something goes and try to get them valley. But let me tell you what, God uses those valleys. And God uses those low times. And, man, I tell you what, we got a bunch of zombies walking around these days. And they just, just flatline. They don't know the highs. They don't know the lows. And they're just chemically, uh, you know, just all in their mind because and they're trying to get rid of the lows. But God uses it. If you never have the lows, you'll never appreciate the highs. And you got to have those low times. You learn things in those valleys that you'll never learn on the mountaintop. You'll get closer to God in those valley times, in those hard times, in those tough times. That You'll never you'll experience of God's grace. Paul would have never known the grace of God had he not had a thorn sticking in his flesh. We want to get the thorn out. God said, no, I want, to, I want to give you grace. I want to fellowship with you right there. I want, I want to fellowship with in, in, in suffering. And that's how God fellowships with us. That's how we fellowship with Him. And so that's how this psalm is. It's nothing new. It's nothing mind-blowing that we haven't seen before. David is uh, he's going through a hard time. We don't know exactly what the hard time might be. I might speculate here in just a minute, but... But, uh, but, but he's writing, and he's showing us how God moved in his life, how God worked in his life. And this is a, if you look at the little, the little superscription there above verse number one, your Bible should say something like this, to the chief musician on Neganoth. Now, I don't know what that is. Now, I'm not even sure how I'm pronouncing that right, but it's probably some kind of instrument is what that is. I'd like to think it's a banjo, but I don't know if that's right or not. But just leave me alone. He says it's a, it's a mask, maskal, I think is how you pronounce that. That word, it just simply means instruction is what that is. Anytime you see a song that's got that maskal above it, if that's how you say it, what that means is there's, 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 there's not only just a, a relay of David's experience, but he's trying to help you. If you get in this place, if you get in a point like this, here's what God did for me, here's how God helped me, here's how God will help you. There's instruction. How many of you know that there's some things you just got to experience for yourself but there are some things that maybe you can learn from the experience of other people. And if you can learn from them, maybe you won't get as down. Maybe you won't get as out. Maybe you won't get far depressed as they did if you can learn how God helped them through their valley. And so this is advice. This psalm is instruction to us. It is an instructive psalm. It is a teaching psalm to teach us about, about, uh, uh, about some things that we go through sometimes. We're in these hurting places. If I could just give a little introduction here. I guess I would talk about David's reality, and that's he's hurting. I think we, we've already seen that. Verse 2, he says, uh, Attend unto me and hear me. He said, I mourn in my complaint. I mourn in my complaint. Now, nobody likes complaining. I don't like to hear complaining. But I'm glad God doesn't mind when we complain to Him. I read a quote from Spurgeon this week that said, We must not complain of God, but we can always complain to God. I like that. Isn't that good? We don't complain about God and we don't complain of God, but it's okay to complain to God. In fact, by the way, that's not, 
that's not gossiping. That's not really complaining. What I go, that's just that's just praying is what it is. Go to God, say, Lord, here's how it is. And listen, when you pray, listen, you don't need to go to God with some kind of fancy words. Thou great Jehovah of of, of eternity past. Listen, God knows you're stupid. Amen. You ain't got to impress God with your. What do you think? I mean, He knows everything about you. He knows what's in His heart. You might as well just get honest. Amen. Amen. God knows you flunked English class. Amen. Just get honest with God. Amen. Say, God, I'm mad right now. Amen. Hey, that's better than putting it on Facebook. That's better than calling up people in the church, stirring up trouble about something. Amen. Complain to God. We don't complain of God, but we complain to God. Ain't nothing wrong with that. In fact, I recommend it. It's therapeutic. Amen. Amen. These pains, he says, they're inward hurts. Verse 4, he talks about... Oh, in verse 2, he talks about making a noise. I, that, man, these, these groanings of prayer. Have you ever prayed and you don't even know what to say? It's just a noise is all it is. Right, let me give you some good news about that. God knows how to interpret your noises. Every groan, every sigh. Uh, he heard the people of God as they were sighing in Egypt. Those cruel taskmasters making those bricks as they were serving. He heard their cry. He heard their sigh. He heard their moan, every groan. And he knew what that meant. God knows our heart. He listens to our heart. Verse 4, he said, my heart is sore pain within me. I want you to notice these are, these are inward hurts. These are, it's, his, it's his heart. It's his heart. Uh, it's on the inside. It's on the inside. This pain is on the inside. Can I tell you something about inward hurts? They're, 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 they're a lot worse than physical hurts. You know, the Bible says that uh, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmities, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? You get, you know, you, you, you get hurt on the outside. If your spirit's high, you can, you can make it through just about anything. But when that spirit gets broken, and I've seen it. I've, maybe I felt it just a little bit. I don't know. When that spirit gets broken just a little bit, it's just almost like you just give up. Just can't, just can't go on. It's that inward, it's that inward hurts. That's David's reality. That's where he's at. David's reason. Why is he where he's at? Verse 3 says that it's because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. For they cast iniquity upon me, and in the wrath they hate me. I want you to notice this. David was in a wounded place. David was in a hurting place. How did he get this hurt? How did he get this wound? From people. It's people that hurt him. Talk, call them his enemies. Uh, it, wasn't their, it wasn't their weapons that hurt him. I want you to note that. It wasn't the weapons of people. It wasn't the weapons of his enemy. It wasn't a sword. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a, a, an arrow. It wasn't a spear. It was words. He said, the voice of my enemy. It was their voice. I'm going to tell you something. Words can hurt. You know, you say that little thing about, you know, sticks and stones and break my bones. Words will never hurt me. That's a lie. That is, that's, that's a lie. Words can absolutely crush you. And then we find out as we read this psalm, it wasn't just any person. It was the words and the actions of an enemy, but somebody that used to be a former friend. Look at verse number, look at verse number 12. For it was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me 
that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man mine equal, my God, mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together. You know what that means? We fellowship together. We're friends. Look what he said. We walked into the house of God in company. What does that mean? They went to church together. They worshiped together. They fellowshiped together. He was somebody that he fellowshiped with, somebody that he worshiped with. Can I tell you, that hurts the worst. I mean, somebody from off the street that I don't know, you know, they, they criticize me, you know, whatever. That don't bother me that bad. But somebody that I know, somebody that I love, somebody that I've fellowship with, somebody that I've worshipped with. Well, they start saying stuff. Oh, man, them, them criticisms go way down deep inside. Because when you love somebody, you give them access and you give them, you, you give them uh, the opportunity to hurt you. That's what love is. You open up. You're vulnerable. You open yourself up. Everybody all right? I know we ain't swinging from the chandeliers, but there's some, there's some good stuff in this song. We need it. We need it. And his reason is that it was now we don't know, we don't know exactly what was going on in David's life, but it seems like this song fits real good with one of the greatest hurts that David ever went through, and it was when his own son betrayed him. And that was bad. But it wasn't just his own son that betrayed him, Absalom, but it was somebody that he took sweet counsel with. A man by the name of Hithophel. Hithophel was David's right hand man. And when Absalom took over the kingdom, David left and he just assumed Ahithophel would have been right there. But what he found out was Ahithophel actually stayed with Absalom and was helping Absalom try to kill David. And it was somebody that was close to him. It was somebody that he loved. Somebody that, in fact, and one, I mean, Ahithophel's counsel was some of the best. In fact, David said at one point, you can read it in, in 2 Samuel, it was like the voice of God. It was like the word of God. When Ahithophel spoke, it was like hearing from God himself. There's so many times Ahithophel helped David through hard spots. They were together. But as soon as Ahithophel had an opportunity, he turned on David. In fact, that's what David says in verse number 21. He says, words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. Didn't even know that there was something in his heart against David. We see David's reality, David's reason. I want you to notice David's reaction. That's in verse number 6. What was his reaction? He said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then I would fly away and be at rest. Lo, then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness. Selah. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. This response of David ought to be familiar to all of us because it's a response a lot of us have sometimes. And that is, I just want to run away. I want to get away. I want to leave. I want to, I want to fly away. If I had wings, I would just pick up and fly off. That's what David was saying. He said, verse number 8, I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Listen, when you're in a storm, what do you want? You want it to be over as quick as possible. You want to get out of it just as quick as you possibly can. Nobody likes to be in them. Nobody likes long. We're wondering, when's it going to end? I wish I could just pick up and fly off and get out of this problem right now. And I just want to run away. 
But I'm here to tell you something. That's not God's will for your life. In fact, because God usually helps us in our storms, He usually doesn't help us out of our storms. He doesn't remove us from the storm necessarily, but He helps us in the storm. He delivers us in the storm. He teaches us something in the storm. And running away, can I tell you, running away from your problems, running away when you're hurt, running away from people say, well, somebody hurt me, so I'm going to close up shop. I'm never going to give them an opportunity to do that again. I'm just locking everybody out of my life. Can I tell you something? That never fixes anything. It really doesn't because you could run away. I've seen people jump from church to church. I've seen people jump from marriage to marriage. I've seen people jump from job to job. I've seen people jump from all kind of places all all the time because they're trying to get away from problems. But the problem is, is if you are hurting on the inside, you're going to take that hurting heart with you wherever you go. It's going with you. You can't leave it behind. And so when you go, you're taking, that, you're taking that problem with you wherever you go. But I'm here to tell you what God has for you in your hurting place. God has grace for you. God has help for you. God has power for you. And there's an amazing picture of God's grace in this song, of God's grace working in David's life right in the midst of his hurts. And I want to point out just a couple things to you real quick, and we're going to the house. Number one, this is super simple. Number one, we see... Grace working in his life through the prayer in his life. The prayer in his life. There's the prayer in his life. This psalm begins, like so many do, with a, with a plea of prayer. David knows that God uh, could hear everything that he had to say, and if God would listen to everything that he had to say, then everything would be all right. He longed for the very presence of God in his life. He said, God, I'm hurting. And can I, let me just give you some advice right here. When you're hurting, don't run away from God. Run to God. Go to God. I've said that a million times. I'm going to say it again because we're all prone to just want to run away from God. Don't run away from God. Run to God. When you're hurting, you're just going to make things worse when you run away from God. Run to God. He's listening. He's there. He wants to incline His ear. He wants to lean down in your direction. He wants to hear what you have to say. In fact, the Bible tells us as New Testament believers, we have a welcome mat that's spread out in the throne room. And He said, come boldly into the throne room of what? Grace. And obtain mercy and find what? Grace to help in a time of need. It's a throne room of grace. God has grace in our times of need. You think, man, well, I, you know, I went to God last week. Listen, His supply of grace does not run out. He does not get wearied by your coming. He does not get tired of your praying. You have never bothered Him. I don't care what time of the night it is. I don't care when it is. You have never bothered God. Go to God in prayer. You say, preacher, that's so simple. Then why don't you do it? Amen. Why don't I do it? Why do I struggle with that? Why do I think I can handle this? I can take care of this. No, you can't. Go to God. We need God. And he longed. This trial, this storm in his life made him long for the presence of God in his life. I'm glad God is near. In fact, that's what he said in Psalm 34. The Lord is nigh to them of a broken heart. He's near. When you're the most hurting, he's the most near. Isn't that the kind of God we have? Isn't that a blessing? And I see the grace of God in the fact that God makes Himself available to His children when we're hurt. He inclines His ear in our direction. And I see the grace of God even in our storms, not just 
God helping us in our storms, but even in God allowing the storms to come, God allowing the hurt to come. I'm going to tell you what, it's not God that hurts us. People, people, we're, we're all fallen and we're all depraved and we hurt each other and all kind of things. I, I, know, I, know, I, know, I know those things, but God does have an element where He allows these things to come in our life and He approves them and He allows them and, and He lets them come in our life. Why? Because He knows that most likely for the true child of God, when you are in your hurting place, Place, that is what drives us through His throne, to His throne room. It drives us into His presence. And can I tell you that anything that God allows to come in your life that makes you go to God and go to Him, ultimately, I don't care what it is, but ultimately it's a good thing. Because I'm going to tell you what God's trying to do in your life and what God is doing in your life. He's making us and He wants us to be completely dependent upon Him. He wants us to lean on Him. He wants us to trust in Him. He wants us to be close to Him. And if He's got to hurt you or allow a hurt to come in your life so you'll draw up close to Him, guess what? He'll do it sometimes. He's not so much concerned about our comfortableness as He is about our closeness. He wants us to be close to him. And I'm going to tell you something. We might look at something and say, that's a bad thing. That's a horrible thing. Man, that's an awful, man, that's an awful tragedy. That, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I don't like this. I wish this wasn't in my life. I wish this wasn't going on. And we may look at it and say, this is awful. But if it makes you lean on God, if it makes you dependent on Him, if it makes you run to Him, that might be the best thing that's ever happened in your life. Whatever it is, it makes you get close to God and close to Him. That's a wonderful thing. And you ought to lift your hands and thank God for it. Say, God, I don't like the thorn, but I need Your grace. I don't like the storm, but I love Your presence. God, I don't like the hurt. I don't like the fact that I'm being hurt more than I've ever been hurt in my life. But Lord, it has drawn me closer to You. And for that, I have to say, glory to Your name. Amen. It brings you close to Him. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. Not only, and I'm just, these are real quick. I got like 10 of them, so I got to hit them real quick. That's a joke, by the way. I only got eight. eight, Number one, there's the prayer in his life. We see God's grace by this prayer. God's available. He's accessible. He's leaning his direction. But then it also, he's allowed something to come in his life that'll drive him to prayer and drive him close to him. Number two, I thought about, a second way of God's grace that I see even in David's hurting place here. I'm going to call it this, the prevention in his life. The prevention in his life. You see, sometimes God's grace is seen in what he gives his children. Sometimes we can see God's grace in what he gives us. And that is the definition of grace is God giving us something that we don't deserve. And when he gives us something, that's his grace. I love it when, I love it when God just... Just uh, gives us a token for good. You know, we can just see the grace of God and He blesses us just out of nowhere. I like that. Anybody anybody like that? I mean, I, I like it. Amen. Uh, no doubt about that. But can I tell you also, you can also see God's grace, and it's harder to see it this way, but it's God's grace nonetheless. We can also see God's grace, and it's also manifested when sometimes with what He has chosen not to give us things that He chose not to give us. You see, there's a love that I have for my children that compels me to withhold things from them. Things that are bad for them. Things that I know will hurt them. 
you say, what is that? That's, that's grace. That's love. I'm glad I had parents that were gracious enough to withhold some things that they knew I couldn't handle out of my life. And I know a lot of times we look at the situation, you know, if you're a, if you're a child living at home, you look at mom and dad and think, they're just so mean. They won't give me this. They won't give me things that I want. But one day you'll probably, hopefully, 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 prayerfully, you'll look back and you'll say, thank God mom and dad didn't let me have access to that. They didn't let me go there. They didn't let me have this. And that's how God treats His children. God's grace is seen in uh, the things that He withholds from. And I, I see this, this principle and this picture of grace working in this, in this sense that David had a wish in verse number 7. He said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. He's wanting wings. You know why? So he could just fly away and get away. But you know what? God never gave him his wish for wings. God did not have... And of course, I'm not talking about literal wings sprouting out of his uh, back, you know, uh, you know, flying around like some, you know, some little uh, fairy or something like that. What I'm talking about is an opportunity. I'm talking about the ability, the availability of David just to... Get out of all of it. And of course we know if this is talking about the time of Absalom, we know he, he did leave the city of Jerusalem, but yet he still stayed there. He had men around him. He had people. That's not what he's talking about. He wants to get away from everybody. There's a desire inside of him. He wants to get away from all things. He wants to get away from absolutely everything. But yet he was trapped in. He was hemmed in. He could not get away. And that was the grace of God in his life. Why didn't God give him? the ability just to get away and get all by himself because if he would have had wings, so to speak, he would have flown right out of the will of God. And I want to thank God for His grace in my life in giving me limitations and limiting me. You know, sometimes I just feel hemmed in. I feel like I don't have anywhere else to go and I can't do anything and, I, and this is all I know and I don't know where else to go. I don't know what. And you know what? I thank God for that. You know why? Because in some weak moment, in some weak time, when I wasn't thinking straight and thinking right, if I had the opportunity to get out, maybe I would. Maybe I would leave. Maybe I would hang it up. I don't know, the, I don't know the, the, the extent of my own flesh, but I want to thank God that He has trapped me. I want to thank God He has grounded me. I want to thank God He set me on the ground, and I can't fly nowhere else. They don't know where else to go. Peter said to Jesus, where else can we go? They ain't nowhere else. You got us trapped in. You got the monopoly on words of eternal life. They ain't nowhere else to go. And I'm thankful that God has kept me broke and kept me average so I can stay right in the middle of the will of God. I'm glad I ain't got much talent. I'm glad I ain't got much skill. I'm glad I ain't got much money. I'm glad I ain't got... You know why? Because there might come a point where that would tempt me to deny my God. And I don't trust me. And I don't trust my flesh. And I want to glad He has chosen not to give me wings so I can just pick up and fly away. And if God's got you broke, if God's got you just average, if God's got you trapped in, hemmed in, you ought to thank God. That's His grace. He's keeping you in His will. He's keeping you from destroying your life. He's keeping you from wrecking yourself. Amen. I want to thank God for His prevention, the ways that He has prevented me from escaping 
His will. I can't fly. I don't have any wings. I can't go nowhere. <laughs> Where else are we going to go? What else are we going to do? This is all I know. I sold out a long time ago to the Lord. I gave up my life for Him. I, did, I went to a Bible college. I went to, I went to a little Bible college, not even accredited. That's what I did with my life. I gave up everything else. I burned every bridge. I burned every place. I don't have a trade. I don't have a skill. All I know is the Word of God and the people of God and the work of God. And sometimes when I get down and get discouraged and think I'm just going to go do something else, God says, what? What are you going to do? And I say, you know what? That's a good point. I think I'll just get right with God. That's a good point. I don't have any wings. I can't fly anywhere. Amen. And I'm thankful for it. I was looking at you know, some of these preachers, and man, they, 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 they got the ministries all about them. And, all, and I look at them and I think, man, you know what? They can do that. Because, I mean, not, not, uh, not rightfully, not lawfully, but they can do it because... They're kind of awesome. They, got, they can preach good. They got good skills. They got, they got people skills, leadership skills, and all this kind of stuff. And, and they can make a ministry all about them. And it goes pretty good. I'm glad I ain't got that. I can't make it all about me because that would be the sorriest church you ever went to. It's got to be all about Jesus around here or we ain't got nothing. Amen. I thank God for that. I thank God for that. I'm glad it's God. If anything good happens around here, you'll know it's God that's doing it because I ain't worth shooting. Amen. But God is awesome and God is amazing. And I'm glad He didn't give me any wings. Amen. I'm glad I burned the boats. I burned the plows. I gave it all up. I only got one. Listen, all my eggs are in one basket and that's serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And if God's got you hemmed in wherever you're at, you say, I just can't get out of there. I can't get out of there. Well, good. Maybe God don't want you to get out of it. Amen. So you won't have much of money so you can buy a beach house and go vacation, you know, 12 months out of the year. Listen, that ain't God's will for your life. He's got things for us to do. And so God, you say, I don't like this debt. I don't like all these bills I got. Well, maybe God gave some of that to you so you wouldn't just pack up and move on and not serve with your life. Amen. God's got you trapped. Amen. So why has God got me trapped? Because that's the only way He can keep you right. That's the only way He can keep you spiritual. That's the only way He can keep you humble. That's the only way He can keep you serving. And as long as you're doing that, you're right where He needs you to be. Amen. Amen. Sometimes God doesn't give us what we want. Thank God. Don't give us what others have. Because He knows that we'd use it as a ticket to get out of the will of God. And I don't want to be out of His will. That's grace. Your groundedness, <laughs> your limits, your trapped condition, that's the grace of God in your life. You ought to thank God for it. Amen. I see the grace of God in the prayer in His life, the prevention in His life. I'm going to hit this real quick because this is just a simple one, but I see it here. I'm talking the people in his life. The people in his life. Look, look at verse number 18. He said, He had delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. But look what he said. For there were many with me. Hmm, how about that? He said, you know what? There's a lot of people against me, but you know what he said? He said, there's many with me. That's grace. 
Can I tell you something? When, when, when we are when we're hurt, especially hurt by people, when we get hurt, we tend to just we, we lump everybody in the same categories. Just people are the worst. Humanity, they're awful. And our hurts tend to blind us from the blessings that God's put in our life. I mean, look at the people. Listen, yeah, yeah, there are some people that are knuckleheads, but man, there's some people that that aren't. And they love you. Talked to a guy yesterday, trying to invite him to church witness, and he's a super nice guy. Knows some people in our church and things like that. And he just said, well, "We just don't go to church. We're just a bunch of hypocrites." You know, just full of hypocrites. He'd seen, and he probably he may have a legit. I don't know. I don't know what what his beef is. And I said, he said, "I've seen people I work with. They said they go to church, but I've seen them outside of church, and I can't believe it, you know." And that offended him. That. He's probably just using that as an excuse to understand that. There's the thing. Is there hypocrites in every church? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, there's hypocrites in every church. But it ain't full of hypocrites. See, he's looking at the hypocrites and saying, man, I can't go to church. I'm looking at all the real people I know in my life and saying, I can't stay away. I can't stay away, man. And God's been real. Oh, oh, Samuel, he was just a little boy in the temple. He grew up with a bunch of hypocrites. Hophni and Phinehas. Eli, man, they were all a bunch of, they were all cold on God, hypocritical, hopping off and doing wicked things. That's what he grew up in, in church. They were priests supposed to be doing right. But you know what? Every year here comes his mama, and his mama was real, and his mama knew God, and his mama loved God. And so instead of cho- choosing to look at those wicked priests, he said, I'm going to look at my mama. And he saw somebody that was real. Amen. And there are hypocrites. There are people that'll hurt you. You stick around. Listen, you'll get hurt again. It ain't over. It's going to come again. But I'm going to tell you something. There are people that are with you. And, and, and listen, you know, this hurt, it puts these blinding, blessing blinders on our life. And we can only see the bad and can't see the good. But David, look at him. I mean, yes, there's people. Somebody that he loved turned against him, broke his heart, was now out to destroy him. But David still had a group of people that loved him. He had Abishai right there. Abishai was ready to cut somebody's head off for David. Remember that man throwing rocks at David while he's on his way out of town? Abishai, you just say the word, I will slice him and dice him. I will remove his head from his body. Quam! Every pastor needs somebody like that. Everybody, every pastor needs somebody that they're saved, but they just ain't all the way sanctified. They're in the kingdom, or they're from the south side of the kingdom, you know. They're in the ghetto part. And they still, they'll still slap somebody in Jesus' name for you, amen. I thank God. I thank God for them kind of people, amen. Oh, Abishai, just get, I will chop his head off. David had Abishai with him. Yeah, Hithophel's gone, but look at Abishai. David had a Hushai with him. You know, Hushai, well, he was willing to go. He was willing to go back into the kingdom and be a spy for him and, and destroy the council of Ahithophel. That's probably what it's talking about in verse number 9. Destroy the Lord and divide their tongues, divide their counsel. And that's exactly what he did. I ain't got time to go on the story, but he messed up the counsel of Hithophel. Hithophel ended up hanging himself. David had all these people that God had put in his life. That's grace. God's giving you some blessing. Yeah, people hurt you, but man, there's some people that are real deal, and they're a blessing. We thank God for them. Let me say something about not only the prayer in his life, the prevention of his life, the people in his life. But then let me say something. Kind of lastly, I actually added another point this morning, so it's not on the board there, but there's actually five things. But let me say something about the peace in his life. 
but peace in his life. I like verse 18. It says that he delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. David found peace in his hurt. And here's where he found it. And I ain't got time to go into all of it here, but he found peace in the judgment of God. There's all kind of imprecatory prayers here. He's praying on the people that he said, man, that's stout, that's rough. Well, you know, let them, you know, be go into hell and you know, destroy them and all kind of stuff. I mean, all kind of things that are... That are uh, that are prayed against them here. You can just read read through the psalm and you can see that. Verse 15, let death seize upon them. Let them go down quick into hell, for wickedness is in their dwelling and among them. But here, here's the thing. You say, man, that's, that's pretty rough. Why would David be praying that about people? Well, you got to remember, first of all, he's under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Second of all, he's a prophet. He's not just a, not just a person. He's a prophet. He's prof- these are prophecies of judgment against the people that have come against the man of God. But, but, but thirdly, you got to understand, David never took upon himself to do any of these things. He left. You see what he was doing? He was praying those things, but ultimately at the end of the day, you know what he was doing? He was leaving the judgment up to God. Can I tell you how to have peace in your hurt? When people are hurting you, you know what the best thing to do is? Just leave it up to the Lord. You can hurl something back at them if you want to. You can try to hurt them back, but that ain't going to help anything. God is a, here's what here's what the Bible says, here's what Peter said about Jesus. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. There was not any guile found in his mouth. He committed himself to God, and I'm paraphrasing this, I don't have it exactly right, but he committed himself to God as a faithful judge. And that's exactly what we do. We give it to God. We say, Lord, you know what has happened. You know what is going on, and I'm going to let you take care of it. And you know what that'll let you do? That'll let you have peace in the middle of your hurt. Listen, you think, well, they'll get away. If I don't get them back, they'll get away with it. Hold on a second. Ain't nobody getting away with nothing. You don't think the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good? Do you not believe in the judgment seat? Do you not believe in the great white throne judgment? Listen, ain't nobody getting away with nothing. Neither are you. None of us are getting away with anything. God will settle up the scores, but it's His score to settle, not yours. Give place unto wrath. That means it's not your place. It's God's place to judge and to take care of people. So he found peace in the judgment of God. He found peace in the power of God. And I love verse 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain thee. Man, you need to underline verse 22 if you ain't got that underlined. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. You know what he did? He found peace in the power of God. And that really is the secret to dealing with hurt. You know what it is? It's to take, it's what Peter said in, in his epistle, right? Cast all your care on him. Because he cares for you. This is the Old Testament sister verse of that, that New Testament verse. Here it is. Cast thy burden. Whatever it is burdening you, whatever it is bothering you. Give it to God. Give it to God. And you know what he'll do? He'll sustain you. You ain't got to fly away. You ain't got to run away. He'll keep you. and He'll sustain you. Right in the middle of all that. Here's another good Spurgeon quote I read this week. He said, It is God's wisdom that places the burden upon us. God in His wisdom puts burdens in our lives and on us. But listen, but it's our wisdom that places the burden back on God. So God in His wisdom gives us the burden. And if you're wise, what you'll do is you'll take that burden and you'll give it back to God. And you'll put it on Him and say, Lord, I want you to take care of that. The reason so many are quitting and so many are bowing out and so many are is because they're carrying things that you just can't carry. I was talking to my mom about this just the other day. 
I'm talking about how people are so stressed out and, and anxious and just worried. Of course, stress and worry has always been around, but I don't know. And I hadn't been around that long either, but it seems like I think we'd be safe to say it, it might be at an all-time high. I don't know. And I'll tell you one of the reasons is, is because people are carrying things they never meant to carry. You On your phone, you have access to know and learn about every single little problem in the whole wide world. Can I tell you something? You weren't meant to carry around in your brain every single little problem in the whole wide world. We know about every shooting. We know about every stabbing. We know about every wicked politician. We know about every problem. We know about every gas price and the barrel of oil and supply. We know every little thing about every little thing, and it's killing us. It is. You're not made to have And it's stuff you can't do nothing about. It just gets dumped on us and dumped on us and dumped on us, and we can't do anything. It's not like we could solve anything. It's not like we could do anything with it. It gets dumped on us. That's not the way this thing ought to operate. This thing ought to operate with us putting our burdens on the Lord. He said, when you do that, he said, I'll sustain you. I'll keep you. I'll keep you going. I don't know about you, but I need sustenance. Or sometimes I feel weak, I'm wounded, and I'm just, man, I'm just about to pass out and give up. But God said, I got a promise for you right here. I got some peace for your life. What a grace that is that God's, what a, what, what a blessing that is. God's given us an opportunity to do that. I do got another point I added this morning. I want to give it to you, but I, here I want to do it. Miss April, can you, you mind coming around? And Miss Maddie, why don't you sing a little bit of that uh, uh, about bring it all to him. Y'all can sing a verse of that. I think that'd be good. I got that song on my heart. I'm going to add another, another point to this message here. I see grace in another way, and that's the pardon that was in his life. The pardon that was in, his, in David's life. Because here's, let me, let me, let me, let me give you this little thought here, and I'm done. What's being done, if this is all the whole Ahithophel situation, what's being done by Ahithophel to David? Betrayal is very eerily similar to what David did. David's guilty of the same things. That's hurting him. You say, how so? Well, Ahithophel was the father of a man by the name of Eliam. E-L-I-A-M. Eliam, Eliam. Eliam had a daughter. Eliam's daughter's name was, anybody know? Bathsheba. David took Bathsheba. David betrayed a close friend, when he, several close friends when he did that, Ahithophel being one of them. But Uriah wasn't just some bozo the clown next door. Uriah was one of David's loyal, mighty men. David had him murdered, took his wife, tried to cover it up. When he couldn't do it, had the man murdered. That's what David did. You listen to me? That's what David did. I would dare say what Ahithophel's done to David is probably in response to that. There's war in his heart. He'd had that bitterness in his heart this whole time, just waiting for his chance to do something to David. I don't know. But I would dare say this, that what Ahithophel did to David probably wasn't near as bad as what David did to Ahithophel and what David did to Uriah. And here's my thought on this as I was thinking about the grace of God in David's life. Just remember this. If you're hurt, 
and you're going through it, what is being done to you is always much better than what you deserve. You say, preacher, you don't know the things I'm going through. Yeah, but we deserve a whole lot worse. Because just like what David did to Uriah was worse than what Hithophel did to David, what we did to Jesus is much worse than what you could ever do to me. What, I, what I've done, to, my sin put him on the cross. And what he has forgiven in me is much greater than anything I could ever have to forgive anybody else for. I'm tell you what that is, that's grace. And when you think of it that way, you think of the grace of God in our life. When, even when we're hurt, instead of getting a little pity party and thinking, well, I'm, this is just, I'm just going to fly away, I'm just going to run away. Why don't you just think about, hey, this ain't near as much as what I deserve. I deserve a whole lot worse. But God, so even in the midst of my hurt, even, in the midst of my, even when the enemy's attacking, even when my haters are just going crazy, you know what that means? I'm not getting near as much as what I deserve. God still is gracious Amen. in my life. I thank God for it. See what that makes one do? Makes one just not take my burden and throw it on somebody else. Take my burden and throw it all out there for the world to see. I want to take my burden and I'm going to take it to the Lord. And I'm going to use that as an opportunity to worship. I'm going to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you, God. I could be a lot, I could be in hell. I deserve a whole lot worse. If this is all I got to go through, hey, you've been so good to me. Been better than what I deserve. But Lord, I need help carrying this burden. You know what he'll do? He'll take it for you. And he'll give you the strength that you need to carry on. Because that's God's grace in our hurting place. Let's stand together.